Hi, everyone, and welcome to another edition of AUSU Open Mic. Uh, we have a fantastic podcast for you today, as today is, uh, I'm going to refer to it as our Open Mic President Edition. Today, I have the absolute pleasure and the honor of speaking with our newly elected AUSU President, Stacey Hutchings, and uh, to whom needs very little introduction to our podcast listeners, as well as our special guest today. And we're absolutely thrilled to have you. Uh, our AU president, Dr. Neil Fasina. Welcome to the podcast, Neil. Thank you so very much. Pleasure to be with you. And Stacy, of course, as always, uh, thanks for joining us again today. And it's always great to have you on the podcast. And, and you got a new title now. Yeah, um, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I'm uh, AUSU's president now. And I'm excited to be here and talk with uh, Neil. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, this is definitely the president's edition. I'm the odd man out as uh, I'm the executive director here at AUSU and uh, really looking forward to uh, having a really cool conversation with you guys. So Neil, if it's okay with you, let's just start with a bit of an introduction. Typically, we will you know, talk about where you're from and where you went to school and and sort of uh, kick it off that way. And I would do that introduction, but it's always great to have people speak about their journey from their own words. And so basically, if you can, sort of where are you originally from and where did you go to school? For sure. Uh, well, so I uh, I was fortunate enough to, to grow up in, in Calgary. And uh, after completing my way through high school at uh, Aberhart, for anyone that's in Calgary and, and knows that school, ended up at the University of Calgary uh, and, and found, I'm going to say, a, a self-discovery path. So I had come out of high school, worked my way into University of Calgary in, in the, the natural sciences and partway through that journey, actually, I discovered the uh, an interest in psychology. And so in the end, I ended up actually doing a Bachelor of Science in, in psychology with a, a focus a little bit more in, in the industrial organizational psychology realm. Mm-hmm. And what that uh, what that actually did is uh, through some of the psychology work as well as some of the stats work I was doing, I, I was unbelievably fortunate enough to, to be invited to undertake a, a PhD at the, the Robin School of Management at the University of Toronto and had the just an incredible privilege of working with a, a couple of, frankly, Canadian all-stars uh, in, in people like uh, Glenn White, who ended up being my supervisor, uh, and uh, uh, Gary Latham. For, for all of uh, the, the listeners that are familiar with SMART goals, uh, you might be familiar with the name Gary Latham as he was quintessential in the development of that theory. Very cool. Yeah, and so it just it, and happened to be, uh, of all things, reading an article on goal setting and discovered uh, that negotiations is actually an area of study. Uh, so by pure fluke, ended up uh, stumbling across what ended up being my, my focus during PH, my PhD, which was applied decision making and negotiations. So anything where it was you had to make a decision or there was a potential mistake to be made, uh, that's where I ended up uh, uh, doing my schooling work. Following that, actually, was uh, lucky enough to find my way back to the University of Calgary uh, and uh, took on my first visiting assistant uh, professor role at the Haskane School. And uh, was actually uh, only at Calgary for about 10 months to a year. Uh, reason being is I'm uh, part of a dual academic family. So both my wife and I have uh, got doctorates, both in very similar areas. Uh, Krista's is in uh, IO psychology. And, and so we, we ended up hitting uh, the job market as, as a couple. And we were unbelievably lucky enough that uh, the University of Manitoba at the time had two uh, tenure track positions. And so we ended up uh, making our way to Winnipeg, where we spent uh, just over seven years or so. And then... Wow, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, and, and brilliant part of the country, I got to tell you. 
and then uh, found our way back to Alberta, in my case, for the third time. Uh, this time it was uh, to the Edmonton region, and I was actually uh, recruited back uh, to Alberta as the Dean of Business at Nate. And uh, through a, a couple of transitions, ended up becoming uh, the Provost and Vice President of Academic there uh, just prior to, uh, to taking on my presidency at, at Athabasca University. And, and so, you know, kind of a fairly quick journey uh, through uh, Ontario, Manitoba, Alberta a couple of times. And, yeah, no and doubt. A chance to find my way home, if you will. That's fantastic. I always love hearing uh, the journeys that people take. And uh, obviously, you and your wife sound like a real power couple. I mean, uh, but that sounds amazing. Like when you look at that move from, you know, we kind of stole you from Nate at, uh, this would go back to 2016. What originally attracted you to becoming the president at AU? Wow. Yeah. You know what? That's a, that's an awesome question. And, you know, it, it was, it was a combination of a couple of things. Uh, so, so number one, I believe in the mission of AU, power of open education and the power of digital first education. You know, I, I think that the world has come to understand really right now what that means. But uh, four years ago, uh, well, I guess it would have been five years ago at the, at the time, uh, the, the focus on, on AU, it wasn't what it could have been, right? And, and, and yeah. I mean that around the system and around the public. And so when, when I saw this, this opportunity to be part of a leadership team for an open and digital first university that just stood for the kind of most powerful idea of, of education transforming society and actual true societal change in combination with the, the idea that, you know, it was a, a tiny well, not a tiny but a, a smaller team like there's only just over 1150 team members right so you, yeah, you had this yeah. this huge student body tiny team that was able to to move and pivot so bringing up the inner entrepreneur in me a little bit uh together with this passion for learning and then uh, you know just it, it by happenstance some of the uh, the skill sets that i had built during my my various academic uh appointments uh, I was able to take on a bit of a change leadership role. And, and so it was an opportunity to not only be part of that leadership team at a cool institution, but actually be able to make a difference, not only in society, but at the university and, and, and just the, the achievement of, of putting it back on the, the global scale as you know one of the global leaders in open and distance education. Yeah, absolutely. And I can't help but think that the timing was was so right for AU and for for you. Um, you know, when you look at your your past, your history, your experience, and uh, sort of where your strengths uh, lied, it. it it's hard not to think that it was a perfect match at the time. You talk about change leadership. We know you've got a strong background in organizational behavior. Did everything just sort of fall into place and kind of give you that opportunity to, I'm not going to say start from the ground up. There was obviously a foundation there, but did you kind of feel like from that entrepreneurial type of uh, perspective that you had this opportunity to sort of build something from the ground up? Yeah. It's uh, and, and, you know, I mean, you're using the words, the ground up and, and, there is an element of that, uh, and and it was also a, an opportunity to be part of a community that was passionate, right? So uh, you know, I can I can still remember early days uh, in in the recruiting process, but also in in early days of, of being at AU. 
and as as uh, a change leader, my comments at the time were that you know we need uh, we need time, we need money, we need a plan, and we need passion. And working with the community, you know, I was able to say, listen, we'll we'll figure out the money piece. That's 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 about making some good decisions. Uh, we'll we'll create the time right by focusing on what's uh, what's imperative and what's important early days, and we'll be able to create the runway we need. I have no doubt that we'll be able to create a plan because there's there's kind of a solution for anything. But I said, you know, the one thing I don't have time to do is build the passion. Yeah, because right. we need to do things now. And and I was fortunate to have a community that I didn't have to worry about building passion. It was there. It was in the DNA. So really, the hard part to build as a transformational leader was already there. The the complex part, the systems part, we need, we just needed to tackle together. And so it, it the stars really aligned that we were doing a bit of building from the ground up. Like we're just we're inventing stuff that doesn't exist. And, and yet at the same time, we're leveraging 50 years of history in knowing how to do distance education. And so, you know, there's there's common threads that, that run through the DNA. And then there's elements of building from the ground up. So, yeah, it was it was kind of a chance to, like I said, embrace the inner entrepreneur, but at the same time, honor honor the traditions of, of what the university stood for. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this might be, be either a really great transition into my next question, because I know we're kind of talking about it, but maybe just to build on this, when you first began at AU, you know, can you think back to what your original vision for the university was? And I, and I know we're kind of touching on it here. So what that original vision would have looked like when you first kind of stepped foot into the university for the first time? Yeah, you know, and it's... There are elements that I can think back to that that were there when I first started and and continue to be there, and and really what I wanted to be able to achieve and and be part of was returning what is a jewel in in Canadian higher education to its global stage. Yeah, and, exactly. And its global leadership role. Now, and and I say that as kind of a, a large vision. It, because that was important to me because of the power of what AU does, right? And so to, to me, if, if we could collectively put it back as a, as a recognized jewel nationally, as well as a recognized jewel internationally, then the university would have the, the proverbial runway that it needs to achieve the societal change that it's capable of doing. And, you know, how we were going to get there, I mean, those were the details that actually needed to come from inside the community. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, the, the, the goal of taking it back to that global stage was, was truly, uh, truly a passion for me. Neil, I, we've had uh, conversations about this, but I, and I know you've said this in the past, but you've talked about, you know, this potential of having a million learners at AU. Is, do you think that that's still possible? Absolutely. Yeah. Without question. Exactly. Uh, you know, and, and this is where... You know, my my time working with the AU community, uh, I, we've we've we might have talked about this before, but w while we looked at the the Imagine strategy overall, I mean, it, it it's it's an inspirational strategy. It's got a roadmap, and if you read kind of a half layer below the strategy, there's actually three major phases to it. 
the first one was stability, right? So we needed to kind of sort some stuff out just to make sure that that uh, we can continue along a path. And that was kind of the first 18 months of, of that work. And then the second major category was actually the sustainability phase. And this is the phase that the university is is still really in the midst of right now. And the the in, integrated learning environment will will be kind of the last trigger of that that sustainability phase. And the goal of that phase was to make it so the university would have, you know, unlimited opportunity, right? We weren't going to have to worry about the digital infrastructure. We weren't going to have to worry about connectivity. We knew we were going to be creating, uh, you know, a technology agnostic learning space where we'd be able to keep up at the front edge of what was there for, for our learners today, tomorrow, and into the future. And we were going to be able to do it on scale. And and so that's where that opportunity, sorry, that's where that sustainability phase came came in. And then the third phase of the that imagined plan is actually the early stages of the opportunity phase. And this this one authentically is the hard one, right? This is where once you're at that point, Jody, where a million learners is possible, which is you know we're 18 to 24 months away from that possibility. Now you need to decide which million learners are going to be the first ones to be achieved. Mm-hmm. Right. And when you when you're talking a global scale now, you know, it's it's impossible for a university to be everything to everyone. We have to be something to a group. And so like the hard the hard questions are the ones that are still coming. They're the ones where the university is going to have to decide. Do we support this group first or do we support that group first? Because sometimes you can't do both simultaneously. So is a million learners possible without question. Once once the new ILE is in, once we've got some new processes in place, it's just how do you get to that million? That's the hard question. Yeah, exactly. And I, you know, you mentioned the ILE, uh, the integrated learning environment, and I think, you know, it's really about building uh, scale into the university so that you know you can have the resources to be able to handle the growth. Um, you got. Um, Stacy, I want to come over to you, and I and I'm you've got a question for Neil, and uh, so I just want to give you the floor here, and it's uh, really looking at you know some of the student stories that you've probably experienced and come across during your time, Neil. So, Stacy, I'm going to hand it over to you. Yeah, thanks, Jody. Um, so, uh, I really like hearing your journey about how you got to where you are today. I think um, that's something I really love listening to is how do people get from like point A to point B, and and the steps that got you there. And so I know that you've, you've been in the AU environment for a few years now. And um, yourself personally, have you heard stories that have inspired you about um, learners that are at AU? And I know that our, our, our members would love to hear those, those stories because we love hearing about those wins that um, yeah. learners get because it's such a unique learning environment. So, so Stacey, I, I, I've got to tell you, I, I know it might sound a, a little cliche, but the, the part that truly energizes me is actually the, the learner stories. Um, and, and to, to pick a couple, like I've, I've got a couple that are, are they, they, they stand out, but I, I don't want to share those stories without also acknowledging everyone that's listening. That's been a, a past student of AU, a current student of AU, or, or frankly, people that are going to be future students of AU you have a conversation with any one of our learners and you will be humbled and inspired whether or not those learners 
uh, are, you know, embedded in their community and are contributing to, to social good. They're contributing to their family's good. They're contributing to their friend's good. They're, they're creating the fabric of, of who we are as a community. And, and to a person, they're passionate about their learning experience. They are taking what they learn literally every day and applying it right there and then. And, and the stories are one of, uh, ones of achievement. They're ones of overcoming. They are ones of, uh, you know, wrestling challenges to the ground. And when you get to know the individual learners at AU, you can't help but be inspired by them, right? Uh, because they are, they are a, a, a special group of people that, that are not your, your typical learner. Every last one of them has got a story. So, so as, as I, I talk about one in particular, just want to recognize for everyone listening, everyone is inspirational because everyone's got a cool, cool story. And, and, but I, I can't help but highlight one of them who has come into, actually, I should reframe that, who I have been lucky enough to come into her life more than once. And, uh, and, and some of the listeners might be familiar with her. Her name is Louisa uh, Daly. Mm, yeah. and, and I met Louisa for the first time. I, it would have, been my, would have been my first convocation. And so at the time, she was in, in her early 90s. Uh, she was convocating from AU for, uh, with a second degree at the time. Yeah, I remember this. And, right, and, and, and her her granddaughter came up on stage with her and because Louisa was using a wheelchair to get around for convocation that day. And, and this brilliant lady looks up at me as, as I go to shake her hand. And with this, this look of excitement slash concern in her eyes, she, she looks at me and she says, no word of a, with no word of a lie. She says, now I've got nothing to do. (laughs) (laughs) And, And I thought, Holy smokes. And I, I, I got to like when you're when you're stumped with nothing to say, I, I, I stumbled out this this comment. And at the time, you know, it, it made sense. And in retrospect, it's like, really, did you just do that? And like, well, Louisa, it, it's OK. We have a master's degree for you now. Yeah, exactly. Well, <laughs> little did I know months later, she's actually in, enrolled in our master's degree. And I thought, oh, this is awesome. So, you know, we we were fortunate enough to to honor uh Louisa with uh, with an award this last year in the order of Athabasca University just in in light of her her lifetime focus on learning and and so I had again with the the, the precautions all in place over uh, in early fall I was lucky enough to see Louisa again and, uh, and and just to give you a sense of how positive this woman is like she she just choose into the learning and loves every last moment of it but you've got to you got to keep in mind this woman has got an awesome sense of humor and we're we're recording the videos to to do her her order of au and and you know i know her as louisa because that's that's the name i've seen on on her parchments that's the name i've seen every time we've talked about her and as i'm reading the the script for the for these videos it says louise and I thought, well, okay, well, time out. We've got to stop. It's gonna, and I had to look to Louise, Louisa, and say, listen, I, I, I am so sorry. I, I'm, I'm worried I've been actually calling you the wrong name for a while because 
I was under the impression it's Louisa. And, and I'm reading Louise here. She goes, it's either one. Just don't call me lazy. <laughs> <laughs> and again like the, the ability of this woman to leave you literally without words yeah exactly i love that <laughs> you know and and but when you hear her history when you hear her journey it's just it, it, might i be lucky enough in my 90s to be engaging with learning the way that louisa does and having it fuel me the way it fuels her because my goodness, if if anyone can, if anyone can't find inspiration in her, uh, I don't know. I, I I think we need better stories if you can't find inspiration in in the. Uh... No, I really like that. Um, I I think you know a lot of a lot of like especially mature students think, oh, it's too late for me, you know. And so to hear that like there is no age limit to learning, and no. and it's not too late, and it is something you can really do. You could pluck away at an AU, you know, you're not you're not having to, to stick to a, a certain schedule to finish your degree, I think is important. Yeah. And so, yeah, I really like that story. Yeah, no question. Uh, I yeah, I, I remember those uh, uh, those moments as well, Neil, and, and she definitely stands out to me as well. Uh, I, I think actually I'm going to make a mental note that we need to try and get Louisa on to the uh, onto the podcast here. I think she'd have a great conversation about her journey. So I'm going to make a mental note for that. We're also going to pivot here just slightly, Neil. And um, one of the reasons why, you know, it was so exciting for us to be able to get you on our podcast is that uh, you're also moving on and your your journey isn't quite done yet, I hope. And uh, you're going to be moving on to a new opportunity as the new president of uh, the Okanagan College. And that's going to be happening in the new year. Maybe just talk a little bit about, about that opportunity. And uh, a follow-up question to that is also, what advice would you give to the new AU president as uh, they are introduced to Canada's open online university, Athabasca? Mm. So great, uh, great questions. And, and so obviously thanks for the, uh, the, the kind words on, on the move to Okanagan college. And then obviously you're, you're spot on. So my, uh, my term as, as Athabasca university's president is going to come to a close at the end of March next year. And, uh, and, I'm going to be taking on the uh, the presidency of Okanagan College on on April 1st, and if any of your listeners are thinking that that's an April Fool's joke, I can assure you that it's not. <laughs> um, but it's it's really it's an opportunity, uh, and I'll just speak briefly to the opportunity at at that end of of my transition. It's an opportunity to be again part of a, a higher education community that is looking to make a a difference. Right. And so when you think about uh, the, the Okanagan Valley, pretty much from the, the U.S. border up through Revelstoke, like that is a huge geographically diverse uh, environment with diverse populations, diverse needs. And, and then a, a, a college that's seeking to, to truly meet those needs from kind of one end of that valley to the other. Mm-hmm. It was a chance for me to, to take what I have learned and gained through my journey and be able to, to move it into, uh, into another space to, to again, just continue building and, and helping build that, that social and economic fabric of, of a community. And so that's, that, that's at that end. And then at this end, it's, I, I got to tell you that hard environment to leave uh, because of all the exciting stuff that is, that is going on at AU mm-hmm. uh, and, and all the stuff that's going to go on at AU. 
right? Like the the achievements that we've we've come across in the last uh, four years, and and by kind of April, four and a half years, are very very fun, very very cool. And and what's awesome is that I know that those are going to keep coming. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I get to kind of watch from the sidelines uh, as they do. Uh, but in terms of that, that you know, what advice would I give to to someone coming in? Um, you know, I'd, I'd say it's it's twofold. Um, the the first is to be ready for the power of the mission. Uh, and and I say that because as we alluded to earlier, when I when I came to AU, I I, I authentically believe in the mission of of what an open and distance education environment can do. But holy smokes, when you're in it, when you're living it every day, when you're seeing the impact of it every day, not only to the learners at AU, but I've been lucky enough to see the the impact of open and distance education providers around the world and what they are doing for their communities. Uh, yeah. It is overwhelming. Yeah, like yeah. The, the power of that idea is so overwhelming that it, and so the advice is, you know, you come in eyes wide open, but but know that whatever you believe that power is, it's going to be a multiplier that you can't imagine uh, that that becomes inspirational. Uh, and then and then beyond that, be open to the opportunity for the learners, right? Like we we're talking earlier around that that million learner idea. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Every every learner has a story. Every learner has a community. Every learner has has a desire. Every learner has a learning journey, and stay focused on achieving those learning journeys at the level of the individual. Right. I mean, we're we're doing that now by by putting in the right technologies, the right learning frameworks, the right the right support structures. But never lose sight of that individual learner's journey. Right. It's uh, a million learners is made up of a million different hearts a million different minds and if and if ever uh, we lose sight of those you know million minds and million hearts uh, that that's where we we get lost yeah i think that's so, great advice great advice and there's no question i mean everybody that i've talked to at au and you know obviously your announcement obviously was a big deal and you've you've definitely left your mark here at au and uh, i think that's something that is special in its own right just because not too many people get the opportunity to to come in and have such influence and impact on a on an institution like ours, and in many ways putting AU on the map. And so this ho- this whole concept of leaving the place better than you found it. You know, I can speak you know on behalf of AUSU and all of the work that we've done together. That you have definitely done that. You've been a champion for students in so many different ways. And I know that as the AU Students Union, um, you know, and obviously we've got Stacy with us today. Uh, it, this has been something that has been a part of the relationship that we've had. We've always enjoyed kind of working with you, Neil. And I think that passion that you've brought to the uh, to the role, and again, that advice that you would potentially pass along uh, uh, to the next president at AU, uh, is just speaks to that journey. And you've got some cool things ahead of you. And Okanagan College is is getting a real champion for students for sure. I appreciate that, and it's you know, and and and. It's important for me to acknowledge that it doesn't matter what I wanted to do. It doesn't matter what I could have done. In in the case of AU's journey over the last four years, it is not me. Uh, it is the team. Uh, the the people that I have the the opportunity to work with, um, both on the 
uh, the, the AUT member side as well as, as groups like AUSU. Um, I, I was the, the lucky one to be able to, to sit in, in the seat as the president and, and help facilitate and coordinate and, and, and empower. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the journey we've had, it, it's, the, it's the team members that have made it happen. Uh, I, you know, so for, for me to, to claim credit on it uh, is, is, is not being fair to the, to the, the Herculean efforts that the entire team has made to, to make that journey actually possible. And I think that might be a great transition into what 2020 has been like for AU and, uh, and for you as well and the rest of the AU team. You're also the chair of the Council of Post-Secondary Presidents of Alberta. Um, you know, we've been sort of experiencing 2020 and this, this crazy thing called COVID-19. Um, you know, what was it like when, when this whole thing started to have colleges and universities from across Alberta and Canada, for that matter, uh, looking to you and to the AU team for guidance as they transition their in-person learning into an online learning environment. Uh, what was that like to suddenly, you know, we talk about AU being on the map, like suddenly we were on the map, weren't we? You bet. And, and Tony, just, just for, just for clarity. So yeah, I was the, the, the chair of the council of presidents, uh, uh, fortunate that uh, Mike Mann, the, the president of the University of Lethbridge, has just recently taken on that chair. So uh, the council is, is certainly in good hands. Um, the the experience, though, I tell you, and I was uh, on, um, it would have been a, a web webinar of some nature in, in April or May. And, you know, I made a comment uh, in relation to one that had been made about the future of work. I said, well, and since the future of learning arrived in the middle of March for North America, just not every institution was ready for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And and again, I go back to the the efforts that had to be made, and it, it it's you know my hat is unbelievably tipped to all of those in person uh, institutions that literally overnight needed to figure out a solution. And, uh, you know, to, to your point, it, it became almost a Cinderella moment for AU. And, and again, this is where I come back to, to acknowledging all of the team members that are part of it. Institutions from within the province, uh, across the country, and frankly, uh, around the world were, were coming to AU through multiple channels looking for advice, looking for support, looking for help. There was a couple of waves of that. In some respects, it was, you know, the, the, the first wave was one of, hey, hey you, you, you know how to do this. Uh, can you just tell us how? Yeah. And <laughs> if, if only it was, it was that easy. Right? If only it was that easy. And, and, and I say that tongue in cheek because it, there was this inherent, uh, unfortunate misunderstanding almost globally on what it meant to go digital first. Mm, and yeah. and I think that that immediate wave actually woke the system up to say, wait a minute, it's not just as simple as as flipping a switch. Like it's this online thing has actually got a whole different pedagogical model. It's got a whole different business model. It's got it is an authentically different experience. And yeah. and so when you know, and unfortunately, when people would knock on our door and say, in essence, how do you do it? And our answer would be one of, well, it's it's not that simple. We'll walk you through, you know, some of the major stages. 
the challenge that they were facing at the time was that they didn't have that time, right? They didn't yeah. have the time that was needed to uplift content into a quality online environment. And so what we saw was the, the rapid shift to technology mediated classrooms, right? Suddenly zoom became your classroom of choice. Mm -hmm. And, and that actually got us into a bit of a second wave of, of advice. And that was, Hey, now that we're doing this thing online, any advice for us on how to make it, you know, engaging. And and this is where we saw a lot of our, our academy stepping up and they were putting resources online. They were uh, putting advice out in media just to have their fellow academics around the world with some some ideas on, on how to do this. And similarly, learners around the world on how to do it, right? Because you suddenly had millions of, of, of learners that have never had this experience before. Yeah, truly. And... Right. And so and then the third wave of this is actually the one that's playing out right now. And that's where institutions, they were able to sit back. They, they took a breath and they said, OK, can we work with you? We know we're not going to get it online for April, but can we work with you for September or January? And we've got a couple of partners that we're doing that with where we're actually uplifting their content. So it's not our content where it's just our technology stack where we're helping others move into that quality purpose built online learning environment. And this is where it's truly starting to make a, a transformational change as, as a use. So not only are we bringing learning to the learners, but we're also helping others bring learning to the learners, which is kind of a cool place to be. Yeah, no question. Um, you know, and from your perspective, I mean, how has COVID-19 changed Athabasca University? Okay, so you know what, Jody, I'm going to answer that in two ways. Uh, because I, I was asked a, a similar question uh, by our board uh, it would have been probably midsummer, maybe uh, maybe early fall, mm -hmm. and that was did did COVID change our imagined plan? And my answer at the time, and it still stands, is it didn't change the direction of the imagined plan. It didn't change the the inspiration of the imagined plan. What it did was force us to speed up parts of it that we we knew were still on the horizon, but what COVID did is it it almost exposed some of the cracks right and so like an example and and i know your learners are are likely to have experienced the absence of phones uh on the receiving end from from the university and and my yeah. sincerest apologies to all of our students we knew we needed a new solution on inbound phones we hadn't realized we we hadn't realized the complexities yet of what was sitting one layer below an actual phone number. Yeah, exactly. When we discovered <laughs> that we had more than two dozen proverbial front doors, more than, you know, like just a handful of systems. So, you know, we all think, well, it's just phones. It turns out that when you have multiple systems of phones and, you know, 26, 28 front doors, there's actually a lot of work to figure out how to make a single front door on a single system. Um, you know, so we knew that we needed that solution. We knew it was on the horizon. And what COVID did was say, uh, you don't have an option, figure it out now. And so we ended up, you know, having to reprioritize some of the, 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 the responses in the direction of the imagined plan. So it really moved us in, in that regard. The other piece that it did was actually, and it was, it was something that we knew we were heading to, to anyways. And it was the concept of moving to a near virtual environment right? Uh, for AU team members, right? So more than half of our team members have been working from remote locations 
for years. But the other half was always working from a physical location. And so, you know, we, we had initially taken the idea of we're going to go semi-virtual, but we're going to do it on purpose, right? We're going to be very strategic about it. And mid-March, we were remote, period. And what that did is it accelerated the experience of us as an institution to, in essence, work the way our learners learn. Right. And, and that was an incredible learning experience for the institution because, you know, we, we always knew that our learners were learning remotely. Our academics always had an experience of what that was because they were working remotely. And then for the other half of the organization, it was suddenly, wow, this is what it means to be remote. And so what it did is it forced us to accelerate the wraparound supports to be able to continue working the way our learners learn. And so it almost becomes a shared experience between AU team members and AU learners uh, around what it means to, to not have a physical presence. How do we create community? How do we create connection? How do we mobilize all of our resources? And suddenly, you know, we're, we're all in the same boat in, in terms of it. So has, has COVID changed us? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Like the, we're not, ever going back to what it was pre. Has it changed our direction? No. Has it accelerated some things? Absolutely. Is it going to make us better in the long run? Without question. Without question. Yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I love this philosophy uh, or this tagline. Uh, maybe I'm not calling it the right thing, but that idea of uh, working the way our, our learners learn. Uh, I think that is something, uh, Stacy. When you when you think about you know, from a student perspective, how COVID-19 has changed the learning experience, you know, what comes into your mind uh, when you when you think about all those different factors that students are now dealing with that was slightly different in February of 2020? I, I think the big thing is just um, that shared experience of like everybody like being home with family and trying to juggle everything. And I think like um, I'm assuming that a lot of uh, AU staff probably have experienced that too, like maybe having to share your computer with your child so they could do Zoom school or just trying to trying to juggle um, that experience. So that that's that's what that comes that's what comes to mind for me. Yeah, I mean there's so many different elements and we knew that at the beginning of this uh, you know in the sport support elements that we have at AUSU for students that it wasn't going to be business as usual and and maybe in the beginning, you know, when we didn't know as much, we were we were trying to pivot as much as we could, but uh, there's no question that what has happened uh, at AU, whether it's from the perspective of the information center, uh, Neil, you mentioned the phone lines, which is a big deal, uh, financial aid, you name it. Like it seems like all those departments have been touched in some way. And um, in a way, I mean, how awesome would it have been for this ILE to be in place uh, to have that integrated learning environment and all that technology brought in, you know, two years from now. And maybe I'll blame COVID for bad timing, but um, man, it's like you talk about that acceleration. We have definitely experienced that here within the students as well. Or, excuse me, within the students association as well. I can only imagine. And, and you know, to your point on, on the timing, you know, with, with the integrated learning environment, we're, we're launching what is arguably one of the largest digital transformations for AU. And, and we've done digital transformations before. Uh, and you consider the, the the strength of the team that's going to have to do that while simultaneously, 
you know, creating the, the best learning environment we can in our legacy environment for more students than we've ever seen before. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So yeah, it's, it's going to be uh it's going to be an incredibly powerful uh, 18 months here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Neil, when you fast forward your mind into 2021, um, what challenges do you anticipate AU encountering as we move into the new year? You know, it's, I'm going to say the, there, there's one that I, I want to tackle here, but it's actually not limited to AU. Um, and that is uh, the, the inherent narrative that's going to come as people find their way back to in-person learning experiences. Mm, yeah. Uh, and, and what I mean by that is that you, you'll see it in the news today where there's, there's anecdotes out there, uh, people saying, well, you know what, this, this online thing, just this, it's just not working in person's much better. And, and the unfortunate part about behind those statements is it's not, it's not relying on data. It's relying on an anecdote. And, and as I've said in, in other environments, the plural of anecdote is anecdotes, not data. And so the, the challenge is that there's going to be this, this message out there as people rush back to that, that in-person that's false. And that is that in-person is superior to digitally enabled. And this is a concern of, of digitally enabled learning presidents globally. And trying to make sure that we're ahead of that narrative such that people realize that purpose-built digital first online learning experiences are incredibly engaging, incredibly powerful, and in, an incredibly high quality. And differentiating that from what people are, are really actually referring to, and that is just a di digitally mediated classroom. Yeah. Right? They're, they're excited about being able to be back in person rather than on Zoom. Yeah. Zoom is not online learning. Right. And so it's it, the challenge for AU, like every other distance learning institution, pretty much worldwide, is to try to make sure that, that, that people understand the difference between purpose built and emergency remote. And, and really, it's, you know, looking to, to your listeners uh, as, as champions of AU, obviously, as, as students of AU, in many cases, you are the most powerful team of ambassadors AU could ever imagine. And that is, you know, it's sharing the stories with, with your friends as they're going back to in-person experiences, and, you know, and they're saying, hey, can't wait to get back into a place-based environment because I don't have to do this thing online anymore. Mm -hmm. and, and as AU students being able to say, no, actually, this is my first choice. I have flexibility. I get to learn what I want to learn. I get to work it around my life. And, it, it, and I prefer digital first. Yeah. That, that's going to be the challenge I think we're facing coming up over the next kind of 12 months or so. Nice. Yeah, thanks for articulating that. I, I, uh, I can't agree more. And I, I think more and more this whole concept of first choice is going to be something that's going to be more and more uh, relevant as, uh, you know, whether you're just coming out of high school or whether you're a mature learner or whether you're, you know, 90 and, you know, looking at, you know, taking on a new challenge. Uh, I think that AU is going to have a place and uh, online learning is certainly going to have a place as we continue to move, you know, through a pandemic. I want to pivot one more time here. Um, 
in the fall, uh, this past fall, students were basically taking on a 7% increase in their tuition. Um, we hear a great deal from students regarding affordability of their education um, and the whole concept of uh, taking on increases during a really tough time uh, in global history. Um, as we move into year two of a potential tuition increase, can you share with us a little bit of what message uh, is given to the AU departments and staff as the university is developing uh, you know, that, uh, the budget for 2021? And, and sort of what is that message going out knowing that affordability of, the, of education is a huge topic for students and sort of what that looks like for 2021? For sure. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to focus uh, on on two fronts. One one is just acknowledging that you know within within our imagined plan, one of those those pieces that is important for the university is to build out a, a an affordable learning environment, right? And it's and it's making sure that the the affordability of education or or the reverse, the the, the financial barrier to education is actually dismantled for those that it is is, is a true barrier for. And so that's that's a key deliverable within within the invention plan. Now, I, I get it that that's separate from you know what percentage increase are we going to see at AU. And so this year you know, represents another step along the the journey for AU's uh, integrated resource planning environment. And that's what that what it is is it's a cyclical uh, planning space where the the leaders of of AU come together. To work out the financial priorities, the technical priorities, the the human capital priorities, which is why they're it's all resource planning uh, rather than just the quote unquote budget environment that we often hear of. And and going into this year, the the message was shared with that leadership group that says, in essence, we know that there are a lot of initiatives that need to be undertaken for AU to succeed, and like any other higher education environment, the dollars that are needed in order to support all of those initiatives is likely to exceed the dollars that are available, right? So we, mm -hmm. and like a lot of other higher education environments, it's just, it's a, it's a resource constrained environment. It, it's yeah. not, it's not just, you know, freely available funds. And so what we did this year with that administrative council team was to say, listen, any initiative that we fund is going to have to be supported through tuition dollars. So as you're putting your submissions in, know that, you know, for every additional dollar we need, that the group that is going to be working with the, the uh, you know, groups like AUSU in terms of the consultation is going to need to talk to the student leaders and in turn, you know, the, the, the broader student population about the impact that that initiative is going to have on the tuition dollar that they're going to they're about to spend. So we better be able to frame every last one of those initiatives in terms of making the learning environment better. Yeah. Right. And so really what it's done is it's 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 taken out any gap between a leader and the learner when it comes to the financial resource. We've tried to create an environment where the leader cannot help but see the impact on the learner when it comes to a financial perspective and in turn focus on the impact for the learner on the benefit side 
right? Because it, it, it's it's kind of that, that conversation with, with the learners, and we've had it with AUSU in, in years gone past and with, with other learners. Learners see the need to invest. They just want to see the return for that investment. Yeah, and, so and I think there's a lot of truth to that, for sure. Yeah, so what we've, we've tried to eliminate the gap between the investment and the return in the way that we're planning. And so, like, and then this is for the learners, any increase that you see, know that A, we've worked with, with your student leadership group, but B, know that that question and that decision has been pushed on six ways from Sunday to make sure that it is a necessary investment to achieve our future as a university. There is absolutely no haphazard, no un, you know, unlooked at, uncriticized investments that we're going to be doing over the next couple of years because of the impact it has on, on tuition. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. Um, Stacy. from your perspective, when you, and I know you're not only talking with many students, and of course, the obvious thing here is you are a student. Um, when you think about affordability and, uh, you know, the impacts to AU students, uh, you know, I just wanted to offer you an opportunity to comment as well. Yeah, no, thanks. Um, like, when I think about um, the the idea of the spirit of affordable and accessible education, I, in a way, as an AU student, I have the benefit of being from Alberta, because, you know, I think, I think it's like 60% of our learners are outside of Alberta. And so when I see what their tuition costs, I believe I heard it was $920 for a course. And, and to me, that's just becoming very unaffordable and inaccessible. And, and so I have that worry that, you know, the more we increase it, the more we kind of push those, those people who are systemically unable to uh, access um, education in a different way, um, all of a sudden they're, they're being pushed out in the kind of one university that they could go to. And so like I do understand that there's there's this need to to invest and and um, create this this greater vision, but I worry that the students of today are going to end up paying for what the students of the future get to to get to experience. Because I know myself, um, I I'll hopefully be graduated in eighteen months, so <laughs> I I will, I will never get to to experience the the ILE unless you know I I come back as a, a lifelong learner, and maybe I will be a, a Louisa when I grow up, and, and I'll be. I'll be experiencing the ILE in my nineties, but, um, yeah, that, that's kind of, that's, yeah. that's, that's where my thoughts go on with that one. Yeah. No. And, and I totally understand the, the perspective, Stacy, and, 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 you know, tongue in cheek, I, when you're, when you're graduated this degree in 18 months, we have a master's degree for you. <laughs> um, but it's, I understand that perspective. And, and let me see if I can, if I can break down just a couple of elements that you, you highlighted Stacy. The, the first is that concept of in versus outside of Alberta. And one of the initiatives that uh, that I was wishing I could have moved a little bit faster, and it just for, for various reasons it couldn't go that fast, was the, uh, the, the tuition and fees and affordability model for AU. So if, if you look at the way that our tuition is designed, it's designed very similarly to a, a, a sticks and bricks institution. And so what we said early days of Imagine is we need to we need to change that. We need to create a tuition and fees model that is authentically representative of who we are, right? And as a digital first institution. And so, you know, one of those, one of the the artifacts of our current model that is is going to come under intense scrutiny is the uh, within Alberta versus not in Alberta differential. 
right? Because it's it, it you have a hard time trying to tell me you know what the difference between a student in in Calgary is versus a student in Toronto, uh, or frankly anywhere else in in Canada. So so know that 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 question itself is is under some significant scrutiny as we we move a new tuition model forward in terms of some of the things that we're we're thinking about. Um, and then the, that piece on investing into the future that that one I get right. It's because in in many respects we're asking learners today to to enable that learning environment that that in cases like yours, you may not see in its full form by the time you're done. Um, and, and that one, I, I, I can't help but, but, but empathize with and understand. I, it's, I, I truly understand where that, uh, where that perspective is coming from. Yeah, we've got some good conversations going to be coming up. Um, you know, obviously the Students' Union, and this includes uh, OGSA as well with the Graduate Students' Association, where uh, involved with the consultations with the university, and we certainly look forward to having those and uh, and finding the win-win for both the university and the student, and I believe that that can be found. And I, I, uh, I speak on behalf of our entire organization when I say that, you know, being at the table is, is the first part, but, you know, obviously being able to have some back-and-forth conversation that is constructive and building towards the future, um, you know, to the point where the students can see their feedback represented in the eventual university decision and and i think that's an important element of this as well so i appreciate uh you know obviously we kind of peppered you with a lot of questions today neil and um as we wrap up the podcast um i want to bring us into a rapid fire component of our podcast are you ready for that this is this is the stressful part okay okay ready. it'll be nothing you can't handle <laughs> okay so just to sort of get things going, um, what favorite movie do you have, or type of movies? Are you, are you a movie guy? I'm a movie guy, and, and it's 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 going to sound sad, but I'm partial to Happy Gilmore still. Oh, you know what? You and I are instantly <laughs> friends as a as a golfer. Do you golf, by the way, Neil? Uh, I, I ruin good walks by bringing a set of clubs with me. Yes. Okay. Well, you know what? When you're out in the Okanagan, uh, you are going to be treated to some very special walks with your golf clubs. <laughs> Because, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's an amazing place to be for that. Um, you know, obviously, during COVID, you know, we always joke that Netflix has suddenly become a fairly popular uh, choice. Uh, what was the favorite thing that you binge watched recently or anything maybe during COVID where you're, you know, maybe you and your family kind of got into a show? Uh, anything stand out to you? It's all the chef shows. I mean, what better way to fill COVID time than to eat, right? So <laughs> looking for inspiration. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Where's your favorite place that you've traveled? Uh, Barcelona. Oh, that would be beautiful. Um, where would be your favorite place that you haven't traveled to yet um, in a day when you could actually travel? Oh, you know what? I, I, I got to tell you, Jody. So I've, ha I've had the luxury of making it to certain parts of Japan. I would actually love to get to the southern tip of the Japanese islands. Very cool. Yeah. Um, obviously, I've never been to either one of those, so I'm going to just sit here and I'll, you know, travel along with you. Um, um, vicariously? Yeah, vicariously. Thank you. Favorite aspects of working in a university environment in a couple sentences or less? <laughs> uh, I never had to leave the learning environment. Yeah, true enough. True enough. Obviously, you're going to be moving to a beautiful place. You're going to be getting out of this Alberta cold weather and into the Okanagan. And uh, what are the what are you most looking forward to as you look to move uh, your life and family uh, into another region of Canada in the Okanagan? 
Wow, uh, you know that's a that's a great question. Um, let's let's go for a, a fun aspect. Uh, so the the little hidden element of my uh, curriculum vita uh, that uh, that I did for early days for fun personal development was uh, the Wine and Spirit Education Trust um, uh, Level Three. So I actually have a formal education in wine. And now I'm moving to Western Canada's wine oh, region. So absolutely. I get to actually, I actually get to use that part of my education now for good. You know what? Love that. I think that's really cool. Um, had the opportunity to uh, tour a couple of the wineries out there. You will not be disappointed. I know you've already been out there, but uh, uh, obviously uh, my folks live in Vernon. And so. Uh, okay. Now I, I understand the reason you know the region. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I treat their place like a hotel. And, and now the good thing is, is that Stacy and I now have a place to go when we go to Kelowna. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, the last question that I'm going to throw out there is, I mean, obviously, any thoughts that you've got on the fact that you are moving away from oiler country and into Canuck country? Uh, now, I know oh. you've, you've lived in Winnipeg, too. So maybe... You know, you've been in Toronto, you've been in Winnipeg, you've been in Alberta, you're a Calgary guy. Where, where are the loyalties uh, when it comes to the NHL and hockey? <laughs> See, that's, a, that's a tougher one, Jody. So, yeah, to your point, I've lived in, I've lived in obviously, a number of jurisdictions. And, and i, I, I got to tell you, I have actually had a lot of fun cheering for the local, doesn't matter what. Um, but little secret, it, it's been hard to give up my, my cheering for the Stamps. I, I grew up in Calgary, so not quite <laughs> hockey, but... <laughs> but it is the jersey I own. Yeah, well, it's good. It, you were, you started in Calgary, so I mean, in many ways, that's uh, that's a pretty honest answer for sure. Yeah, Doctor Neil Fasina, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Uh, we've always appreciated the candor that you have provided to us, uh, whether it's in our one-on-one visits uh, or in a scenario like this. Uh, it's just been absolutely awesome to hear some of the some of your thoughts on not only what's happening here at AU but also the future uh, we know that the integrated learning environment is a huge project and is going to have a huge impact on students and obviously we wish you nothing but the best uh, as you move on to the Okanagan College they're definitely getting getting uh, like I said an absolute champion for students and and we speak on behalf of uh, all of students here uh, at AU and our staff here at AUSU uh, when we just want to thank you for leaving the place a little bit better than the way you found it. So uh, thanks for joining us today. To, to you, Jody, and you, Stacey, thank you. This has been an absolute blast. And, and, and I got to tell you, uh, the, the, the students and, and the student leadership uh, make getting up every day uh, a lot of fun and a lot of, uh, a lot of inspiration. So huge thanks to, to everyone for that. Yeah, thanks a lot. And Stacy, thanks again for hanging out with us uh, and, and spending a, a little bit of time on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been great listening to all the the stories and, and uh, good luck, Neil, on your future um, endeavors. And I'm low-key jealous that you're going to be in BC. I'm originally from Vancouver Island. So uh, yeah, the Okanagan, it's, it's beautiful. So uh, uh, yeah, jealous, but happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. <I> <laughs> Well, this has been another episode of AUSU Open Mic uh, President Edition. So uh, thanks again, Neil. Thanks again, Stacy. My name is Jody Campbell. I'm your executive director here at AUSU. Have a good one.